Hey everybody, welcome to 2021. Change is in the air, hope is on the horizon. It's an exciting time to be alive. Um, great to be back with you here on the podcast. I wanted to make you all aware that we've actually launched a new offering here at Enrollify called Enrollify Exclusives. And Enrollify Exclusives are sort of like a Costco or a Sam's Club um, without the membership fee, and we're not gonna be giving you discounts on food, but we are gonna be giving you special deals on higher education software, higher ed vendor services, premium content offerings, and a lot more. And our first Enrollify Exclusive partner is actually Element for. An element is an admissions and marketing enrollment CRM. It's sort of like if HubSpot and Slate had a baby, they'd name it Element 451. Um, and a few weeks ago, I sat down with Artis, who's the CEO of Element 451, for a special, what we call, behind-the-pitch deck interview, which really showed us um, a behind-the-scenes custom look of Element 451's marketing technology. And it, this is actually an, an eight-part video series that goes really, really, really deep into uh, Element's unique value value proposition. It explains how they stack up against Slate, TargetX, and other higher ed CRMs. Um, and we actually give you sort of like teasers around what they've got coming down the pipeline this year with respect to their product roadmap. So if you haven't watched these videos already, or if you haven't uh, read about Enrollify exclusives already, please just head on over to the website, enrollify.org forward slash exclusives. And you can be, you'll be directed to this, um, to this special interview with, with artists from Element 451. Um, finally, uh, everyone that engages with this content, like if you are interested in learning more about Element, um, you will get a special deal um, on your onboarding fees and then also on your, your services packages as well. So if you're looking for sort of a, a, a new CRM and you need something to sort of like sweeten the pot, right, and justify making that move, um, Enrollify Exclusives is the vehicle through which you should access Element 451 so that they can um, hook you up with those special deals that are, again, are totally exclusive to Enrollify subscribers. So uh, thank you guys. Without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host for today's episode. And today, once again, we are back with Dror Liebenthal, who is the co-founder and CEO at Bold. So many of you uh, loved the podcast that we recorded last week, but the audio file was pretty pretty awful. So we're going to do a, a, a take two here. So if you listened to last week's episode, this one's going to be even better and you're going to learn even more and get even and more, more pumped about what, what Bold is doing and um, better understand sort of how that might apply to your context. But if you're here for the first time, um, you're, you're in for a treat because Drawer, who I've only had the privilege of recently meeting, is is quite the exceptional um, character, and I'm excited to introduce him to the Enrollify community. So, Drawer, without further ado, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. Excited to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on. 
Great. Well, Dror, as we've talked about um, before, I like to start every interview a little bit differently and open with a question that at least somewhat relates to the topic and or um, the interviewee's uh, area of expertise. And so after stalking you on LinkedIn and a couple of the conversations that we had leading up to this conversation, um, I noticed that you spent some time as an entrepreneur in residence at Mechanism Ventures. And um, this is totally selfish. Um, but I've always like loved that title, right? I've seen it a few times on LinkedIn. I feel like I've seen it a little (laughs) bit more recently, but like anytime somebody has like entrepreneur in residence in their title, um, I'm jealous. And so, uh, but, but I don't actually know like what that actually means. And I'm sure it varies pretty dramatically depending on like the context, but I'm just curious, uh, what did you actually do as an entrepreneur in residence, um, and what, how did that experience sort of shape you and, and lead you to where you are today? Yeah. Uh, so, so you're right. It, do, it does definitely differ across, uh, organizations or, uh, types of, of venture capital firms. Um, I was in EIR with Mechanism Ventures, so Mechanism's, uh, startup studio. Uh, and the idea there, the model there is they work with entrepreneurs and residents to uh, develop the ideas for uh, co-found and invest in, uh, in in startups. And so I was in a position in my life where I was um, focused on uh, developing a number of different ideas that I was really excited about exploring uh, with most of them being in the education space and in working with the the mechanism team, you know, when you're, when you're looking to build something from scratch, one of the challenges is you're, you might have a lot of experience in in parts of the problem, but very rarely do you have expertise in all aspects of the problem. And so um, in the, uh, in, in the education world in particular, or in the model of what Bolt.org is, is today and, and has become to be, um, I had a lot of experience in growing networks and growing platforms with multiple uh, types of, 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 of users uh, and marketplaces, essentially. Um, so I had a lot of experience with that and specifically in solving the uh, the matching problem with with large networks. So how do you connect um, one type of person or one type of organization to another type of person uh, or type of organization uh, in a way where the experience is amazing for, for both sides? Uh, I had a lot less experience in a number of, of other areas. Uh, for example, the um, the nonprofit world, and that's a big part of uh, the, the Bulldog business model and what we do. And um, understanding you know, specifically uh, the admissions in, in higher education world and you know, some details of uh, you know, legal and financial considerations around the, the scholarship world. So I didn't have as much experience there. And so a great part of building a company uh, as part of a startup studio is in the case of, of Mechanism, there were experts on staff, uh, uh, you know, tax attorneys, legal experts, et cetera, um, that I could hands-on work with to solve problems, deep infrastructural um, questions that we needed to, to solve in order to build bold, uh, I could solve those in days rather than uh, weeks or months or, or not at all if I was uh, doing this completely on my own. Yeah, that sounds um, like quite the quite the opportunity and and the experience. Um, I'm only slightly jealous. Um, maybe one day I will be fortunate enough to carry uh, to carry that title. Um, but no, but but in, but in all seriousness, I think that that's um, a super sort of interesting um, backstory to kind of like how you got started. Um, I am curious, just circling back a little bit. Like, did you 
have you always been sort of interested in uh, in networks and how uh, you know marketplaces operated? Did you study? Does this correlate at all to what you studied in school, or at what point in time did you uh, determine? I understand like working in like the ed tech space um, or working um, within the context of uh, education entrepreneurship seems seems like that's something that's been an, an in excuse me, an interest um, of yours for a while now, but like, where was that born? Um, was that born in school, after school, before school? Um, just, if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit more about that. Sure, a um, couple parts there. So uh, I, I was born in Israel and grew up, uh, moved to the US at a very young age and grew up uh, in the US and with a couple of years there in Canada and was the first person in my family to attend uh, college in, in the US and was, and actually was in uh, Canada during high school. And so I was, I was navigating the, the U.S. admission system um, for, the, for the first time uh, or the first person in my family and with relatively little in terms of uh, support as far as like, guidance counselors and uh, infrastructure at, at the school that I was at. And so, you know, a lot of figuring out to, uh, that I had to do there. Uh, and then at the same time, um, scholarships had opened up meaningful doors for me through uh, through this experience in, in ways that kind of allowed me to um, access quality of, of education that I, I wouldn't have otherwise and, and use it to launch into you know, the next, uh, the, the, the dream school that I ended up getting into uh, for, for college and the career that I, that I started after. And so, you know, realizing, you know, tracing the, the, that path back, um, you know, realizing the, the impact that my own educational experience had, had and that scholarships had had as part of that experience, uh, was definitely a big driving force. And um, that was a unifying theme for my, my co-founding team as well, where we had all had you know, scholarships and the schools that we went to and the degrees that we did open up very meaningful doors for us. Um, and then we had all, uh, myself included, been very fortunate to, on the uh, on the flip side of that, as we started our careers, um, run scholarships on, on behalf of a number of different organizations and see the, the type of impact that that can have uh, in terms of, uh, both financial support for you know, a young person who's figuring out how they want to um, spend their career and maybe doesn't have the uh, the financial resources or family resources to to do it, um, and then also just kind of the vote of confidence of an organization or someone who's a little bit further along in their in their career reaching back out and giving back and saying, "Look, I see I see what you're doing, and uh, you know it's awesome. Keep going. We we believe in you, and we're we're here to support you. Let, let us know how." How we can help, and so saw the type of impact that, that could have, and also what um, what the challenges, the operational and legal and uh, the financial challenges around creating and operating scholarships uh, were. And so, uh, one of my uh, now co-founders suggested to me to take a, a closer look at this this space and what what student experience is right now for uh, for young people um, as far as you know, finding. The right scholarships for them, and and more broadly navigating the um, the educational ecosystem uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, is for a young person today. Um, kind of quickly reminded me of some of the challenges that I had faced when I was when I was doing it myself, and um, saw just opportunities for a better for a better more impactful experience, um, both for for students and for uh, individuals looking to to give back through scholarships and and through universities looking to um, evolve their uh, evolve and modernize their their admissions process. Um, saw a lot of different um, opportunities for for just a, a platform that better served all those needs. So the the intersection of all that is kind of the genesis of of where Bolt Arrow was born. 
That's, uh, that's wonderful. And, um, appreciate sort of like your, your backstory too. And, uh, you know, I, I love a good startup story where, um, you know, folks are working on problems, real problems that like they encountered, um, challenges, uh, points of friction that they had to navigate. And it sounds like you and your co-founders, um, were, you know, the perfect folks to, to start bold.org, um, uh, considering sort of like your, your background, um, and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, actually a lot more about sort of how bold.org uh, works and what sort of the angle um, for enrollment marketers who are tuning into this conversation, what they might, how might, how, how they might be able to tap into the great work that you all are doing and maybe even sort of like reimagine their um, inquiry and applicant pipelines. And we're, we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about that. But before we dive into that, Jor, could you just give us like, the elevator pitch sort of overview of what bold.org actually is um, and, you know, specifically sort of like what it is today um, and talk if, if you wouldn't mind both about sort of like the um, the students sort of uh, the way that a student navigates uh, bold.org and, the, and then the way that a um, potential uh, beneficiary would go or excuse me, uh, somebody who is um, creating a grant or creating a scholarship opportunity might be might uh, interact with the platform. Yeah, yeah. So for a student, uh, what Bold.org is today is a platform that works very closely with you to understand who you are, where you're at, and where you're trying to get to with respect to your education, finances, and career, and sort of all those things um, wrapped up in basically what, what are you trying to achieve? Um, and right now we focus on, given all of that, how do we match you to scholarships, grants, fellowships that are great fits for you and what you're trying to accomplish? Um, and then we're expanding that question uh, currently and have made a lot of progress on this. And this is where we're, we're starting to see a lot of uh, great uh, responses and traction with, uh, with universities is given what you're trying to achieve, what's the best uh, educational route for you? Um, and the, the motivation there is the, I mean, the, you see in the news all the time, like the student debt crisis is just continuing to grow and grow. I think it's at 1.8 trillion right now. Uh, and the average graduate will finish their bachelor's with something like 30K in debt. And they'll be, uh, historically, as you, as you have more student debt, um, you're less likely to start small businesses. You're less likely to obviously save, uh, get married, start a family, uh, pursue a dream career with, long-term um, with, with the highest long-term uh, salary prospects and, and so on. Um, and so you sort of have this situation where uh, the student debt is growing at the same time. Uh, college is actually a phenomenal investment for in the large majority of cases in general, it's a great idea um, and sort of the common knowledge, the, the common wisdom of you know, finish high school, go to college, get a great job. Um, is still very much true. Um, and, and there's a lot of evidence to know that people with bachelor's degrees end up um, having far greater career earnings than on, on average than, than those who don't. And it's, you know, far exceeds the, um, the cost of, of their education. But the reality is that that cost is increasing. So it becomes a much more considered decision. And there's a lot of uh, options and navigating those options to actually understand, you know, if I want to um, excel in this field, or I want to keep costs to a minimum, or I want to go to a, um, say, a faith-based institution, or I want something that's close to home so I can stay um, near my family and, you know, help out uh, on, on weekends and so on. Um, given that very unique combination of goals that each student um, has as factors when they're, when they're looking to get their education off to the best start and make the, make the right decision, um, 
there's there's a lot of options in figuring out where where uh, what what the right one is um, in the grand scheme of like you know, the six thousand plus uh, schools that, that are in the U.S. Um, is is a very difficult question. So that's that's what we're we're focused on uh, addressing right now uh, with with students on the platform. So that's the first half of the equation that, that you asked about um, in terms of what the experience looks like for for students on bold.org. Um, for donors, our experience is uh, the Bold.org platform makes it easy for anybody in any company to create customized scholarships, fellowships, and grants in minutes with 100% of your tax-deductible donation going directly to recipients. Um, and the idea there is a highly customized, very high-touch uh, service uh, philanthropy platform that basically allows anybody to give back in a really, really impactful capital efficient way. So where you know you see the direct impact of 100% of, of your donation going directly to a, uh, a deserving recipient that you choose. And then you can also customize it to the um, to, to support the types of uh, people and causes that you want to uh, focus on more more directly. And so you know we have a team in place that works with with donors every day and publishes new scholarships, scholarships and grants every day. Um, that uh, enables people to make their their philanthropy you know, extremely personal, extremely impactful, extremely customized. I love this, and um, there there are so many ideas that just uh, popped into my head as as you were talking. Thank you for sharing all of that context. Um, but what what I think is like particularly interesting about this is one of the challenges um, that I'm sure you know very well, and our listeners know very well about uh, making a financial uh, donation to a charity or uh, other nonprofit organization is that more often than not, um, you know, th- these organizations like thrive and really survive on unrestricted giving, right? And so um, it's you're making a donation to the nonprofit. Generally, like it might be going to support, you know, water uh, wells in general. Um, you know, Charity Navigator has, uh, excuse me, Charity Water has sort of uh, pioneered sort of the whole, uh, here's how you do restricted giving really, really well um, and whatnot. But for most organizations, most charities in particular, they really do need the funds to be unrestricted so that they can use those funds, you know, wherever the need is greatest. And I think that there is certainly like a a place for that. And I think that that's very important, especially for, for charities that you really believe in as a donor. Um, but what I love about this is, um, I, I like the fact that you're not just giving generally to help, uh, you know, fund scholarships for a particular demographic of, of student. You're actually saying, Hey, I'm going to design a scholarship based off of my personal interest, which is, let's say education marketing and i want to i want to give $1500 to somebody who wants to figure out um you know how to be a marketing leader within the context of some educational institution or like that's that's their goal right how can i create a scholarship that uh, you know helps them go to school so that eventually they can do something like that and so i love sort of just how personalized um, this model is, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure your donors love this too, which is why you guys are, which, which is why you guys are growing at the rate that you are, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and, um, I guess what, yeah, I, and yeah, go exactly, ahead. Sorry, just to jump in there. And I think that, I think that's exactly right. And there's, there's a lot of evidence that as, as giving is more personal and you see the direct impact of, of the donations that you make, people tend to, to give more. And I also loved the point that you made there about the effect of, um, unrestricted giving uh, on, on charities, and I think it's it's really one of the biggest 
challenges um, that that nonprofits face. And Bold.org is a, a, a for-profit with a private nonprofit foundation, it's a 501c3, um, which is where our, our, our donations go and get distributed to students. Um, and the, one of the reasons we, we focused on, on this type of approach is nonprofits face that exact problem that you mentioned of donors want uh, either restricted giving or they want specifically to know uh, where their, their donations are going and to yeah. know that this is going directly to the, the audience that the nonprofit is, is trying to help or the donors trying to help. Um, and that makes sense. That's, uh, it makes sense that that's, that's a priority for, for donors. The challenge, as you pointed out, for a nonprofit is how do you then uh, generate the funds to cover all the administrative overhead and salaries and everything else that comes along with running and growing a great organization? Um, and so that's, that's, where, and that's where our approach has been. Make sure that the service is amazing for donors and completely free, you know, without fees in the sense that 100% of your donation goes directly to recipients and then have a separate revenue model that allows us to uh, invest heavily in uh, hiring an amazing team and paying them what they're worth and growing a platform um, that you know, scales both sides and as a result of doing so is able to have a you know, larger impact for, for everybody involved, is able to operate at a, at, a, at a very meaningful scale. So we've seen, we've seen uh, really strong success with that, with that type of approach so far. Yeah, I think that 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 model is super attractive um, for for all parties, uh, quite frankly. And I think that uh, what you guys are pioneering is um, is you know absolutely worth like taking note of. And hopefully, people can sort of other organizations, uh, whether for profit or nonprofit, can can take uh, a couple of notes from from what you all are doing and figure out how they might be able to apply that in their context. Um, George, would you mind just actually talking a little bit more about? Uh, I want to I want to pivot soon and talk about why college and colleges and universities in particular should care about the the work that you're doing outside of the obvious uh, of it being you know connected to student success um, at the end of the day. Um, but before we do that, can you just talk a little bit about sort of like your 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 growth? Because I think like um, I stumbled upon your your leaderboard and thought that, that was a, a really really cool um, uh, asset that I don't typically see on these sorts of sites. Um, also just for, for our, the sake of our listeners, if you haven't been to bold.org yet and you're not Googling, um, you know, while we're talking here, you should be, uh, assuming you're not driving. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as you interact with bold.org, you'll notice like the, the branding and the, the UX and UI of the, of the site is, is not what you would traditionally associate with that of like a scholarship aggregator. Um, I remember like in, in back in school, uh, applying using scholarships.com to like apply for, uh, you know, a myriad of different, of different, uh, scholarships. And like the, there was so it, the, the experience was quite antiquated. There was a lot of friction involved. My, I feel like I had to change my email address because I was spammed so much after, after signing up for a couple of scholarships there. Um, anyways, the, the experience, experience that bold.org delivers is like the polar opposite. So George, if you, could you just share, uh, you don't have to share numbers if you're, if you're uh, not allowed to, I totally understand that, but just general like insight into sort of like your guys's growth um, and talk a little bit about sort of like the leaderboard and how that has um, been helpful to accelerating that growth. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think you highlighted a lot of things that we are focused on and uh, as differentiators. So glad uh, it's hopefully coming across that way. Um, we're growing, we're seeing really, really great traction on 
on both sides of the platform and in the student side in particular, uh, we're, we're seeing six figures, uh, so hundreds of thousands of students joining each month at this point, wow. um, which you know, we're, we're excited about and anticipate just continuing to grow based on the, the quality of feedback that we're getting from, from students. So really high rate of students you know, communicating to us that this is an essential tool that, that is integral to their, uh, their educational journey and in, in, in particular their educational financial journey. Um, I think in terms of experience, we focus on that exact quality piece that you mentioned in terms of um, helping students to, working with students to understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish, matching them with scholarships that are that are great fits for them and then helping them put their best foot forward. And so a, a, a number of really core differentiators there um, and as, as we help students find the best, uh, not just scholarships, but, but educational opportunities is, um, that piece of helping students put their their best foot forward and doing so in a way that um, um, occurs on the platform. So as an organization, we don't just focus on the student side. We, we focus on both the, the, the student and the donor side. So every scholarship on bull.org is uh, exclusive to bull.org. It can't be found anywhere else. You can't apply for it anywhere else. It's not an aggregator. Uh, the service isn't an, an aggregation of um, different scholarships from from uh, different different sources and so on. We're very actively um, managing that scholarship on the platform. You're applying through the platform. We have you know the the actual scholarship funds um, in, in in escrow with with our 501c3 and um, and so on. And so that allows us to focus on quality of experience. I think in a way that has been really really impactful and really really well received um, by students. And then um, as students are putting their best foot forward and, and looking to maximize their their chances of, of, of winning scholarships and also, you know, uh, putting, which is showcasing their abilities well. Um, they're creating profiles that showcase everything from, um, uh, you know, uh, socioeconomic background to educational history, to test scores, to dream career, to uh, employment uh, experience, extracurriculars, as far as you know, sports, research, uh, volunteering, uh, et cetera, everything from, you know, what type of books they read and how often they read uh, and, and so on and so forth. So it's, it gives kind of students a carte blanche platform to express who they are and what they're, they're trying to accomplish um, in a way that feels very, uh, personal to them, and so we've seen really great feedback on on uh, on that as well. So, I mean, uh, kind of thirty thousand foot uh, zooming out view is we focus on on quality of experience and, and customization of experience at every step of of the way, and it's not just um, in terms of the uh, how students are getting connected to to other opportunities. It's not just a you know here's everything or here's all the schools that. Uh, might be interested in you. It's let's just focus specifically on the things that might be the very best fit for you, and you know, really, really hone in on there for uh, all all parties involved. That's uh, that's amazing, um, and I I love the thirty thousand foot overview, and I think that your uh, your little explanation there too just helps us better understand the product, um, and you and really sort of like the values of the organization behind it. Um, which is which is always really really helpful. So uh, you know, a couple things come to mind, George. You're talking and you're laying out this this cool framework for how Bull.org works, like the why behind it. Um, it you know it, it makes just a, a ton of sense, quite frankly. Um, where you know my mind immediately jumps to, and um, hopefully many of our listeners' minds also jump to, is okay. How does this 
relate to somebody who's working in admissions or marketing within the context of a college and university. And a couple things like um, might be coming to mind for folks, or at least uh, come to mind for me. Number one is this being a great asset and uh, a great tool for folks who are already in your pipeline. So people who, um, I, the, the most, uh, the, the example that comes to mind is actually somebody at like the graduate level who might be interested in pursuing um, a degree at your respective school. Um, they might have been accepted into the, to the program. They might be a high caliber student, but uh, there's just you know not enough funding for the program for them to uh, be able to afford to uh, enroll in the program. They could potentially be guided to bold.org by an admissions coordinator or a program coordinator and apply for a, a relevant scholarship there to help fund um, uh, their education. So that that's one potential angle, um, maybe a little bit backwards, but I think actually something that could be uh, a very sort of like viable um, tactic for folks to sort of just incorporate, especially uh, incorporate into the communication strategy, especially once they're communicating with folks who are, again, highly qualified applicants that um, are not able to enroll or, or there's a lot of friction um, in order for them to enroll in, in the actual program. Same thing could be applied to undergrad, but um, I think grad is a little bit more of a tangible example because at least presumably there might be scholarships on bold.org that relate a little bit more closely to um, to program-specific or, or discipline-specific uh, criteria. But the more obvious sort of like path here, um, the more obvious way in which a college or university could engage with you all seems to be accessing uh, the, the, the data, um, being able to take advantage and, and really sort of like find uh, out about who are the students that are most qualified for their college or university. Um, and, you know, we, we think a lot about sort of how much money schools still to this day spend on uh, name buys. Um, and, you know, that's a sizable investment. And one of the things that we hear all the time is, okay, as it's more competitive, as higher education gets more competitive, you really just need to buy more names. You need to increase the top of the funnel so that you can reach your enrollment goals. Um, and that's like a very, like that's like just like not a sustainable approach to yeah. enrollment management. And so um, I'm sure you guys have thought about this. I'm sure you're actively building solutions for this, but like how you guys have all of this data that you're aggregating, um, very, very intimate data. You're doing it in a little bit of a different way. Um, how do you guys see yourselves partnering with colleges and universities? And could you just like outline maybe a couple examples of relationships that you might already have or relationships that you're currently nurturing with, uh, with schools? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I think you framed it really, really well there. You know, there's a trend right now of with so many schools going test optional, um, the breadth of data that's available through College Board, which is typically where most admissions, de admissions departments are, are filling that top of funnel, is diminishing. So a lot of admissions departments are faced with that exact question of how do we fill up uh, top of funnel more effectively. Um, and I'm not sure that that's the, the most effective approach when you look at uh, the efficacy of, of very, very high uh, funnel types of types of efforts. Um, there's, there's evidence that when you, uh, when you purchase leads through the college board, the, like, the increase in likelihood of that student to actually apply to your school is 0.1 percentage point. And the 
likelihood of enrolling is I think 0.02 percentage points. And so that's, I mean, it's like fractions of, of fractions of, of percent and that's a really high effort, a really high cost and also a really high, not just uh, cost in terms of uh, the initial like, buy, but, uh, but volume going through your system and time from your admissions counselors in terms of um, spending effort recruiting uh, uh, prospective students that may not have given that that uh, strength of, of intent, that strength of signal uh, that, that shows how interested they are in your school. Um, and so our approach here is working with schools on the, on the low funnel. So doing a lot of work to understand um, Get, with the current student, what schools are they actually actively interested? Where where are they uh, very actively raising their hand and saying, "I want to hear more from this school"? Um, and with, you know, with with that type of, of student, the odds of, of applying are obviously much much higher, and it's a far better use of time from your admissions counselors in terms of you know, focusing on on this student and and how how interested they are in attending your school and why actually they're. They're so interested in attending your school. And so a couple of reference points for you there, the average student uh, on ball.org, so whether this is a, um, a high school student who's deciding you know, where to go for their, their first uh, higher ed degree or a, uh, a current college student who's interested in, in transferring or uh, an adult learner who's maybe earned some credits and is, and is considering going back to, to school, um, when they share school of interest, uh, the, the, they're sharing on average uh, just 3.4 schools of interest when when they say you know, here's here's where I, i'd like to or here's here's where i'm considering for for my next step and, and the average student applies to somewhere around 10 schools and so you can kind of do the math as far as uh, the likelihood of if they list you as a school of interest likelihood that they are to apply is actually is incredibly incredibly high yeah. uh, on bull.org and so they're, they're actively saying like you're one of my top three schools i want i want to hear from you and i want to hear from you about you know the following things um, and so that's that's how we're uh, th that's kind of the main focus of our work with with admissions departments to to date is saying okay I understand you know top of funnel is is maybe diminishing a little bit um, but here's a solution that allows you to to bet, best focus your your time on students that are that are actively interested and then um, where where relevant generating additional interest as well um, and the other piece of that is not just the um, that, that very strong intent signal but also the um, the question of why. So, you know, a student might be interested in going to um, University of Michigan because they have you know, an amazing football program. Um, another student might be interested in going to University of Michigan because they're from Lansing. Another one might be interested in going to University of Michigan because, uh, you know, they, they actually have incredible entrepreneurship and tons of, of great companies that have come out of there. And um, the, the communications of admissions departments are the hallmark of, of I think any great marketing approach is the right message to the right person at the right time. Um, and so, you know, we, we solve that right person question through this uh, very quality focused approach of, of understanding where the strongest intensity lines of, of which schools student wanna, uh, students want to attend. Um, the right message approach is, is the rest of it of um, working with admissions departments to showcase, you know, this is actually what this student has as a dream career. This is the major they're interested in. Um, this is what their uh, extracurriculars look like and why they're interested in, in your school. And that allows you to kind of really customize your, your messaging on the other side there to, uh, to match that, which I think is, is um, absolutely essential at, at this point. So um, that, that's where we're seeing uh, strongest interest. And I think where we can have the, the, the highest amount of, of impact as well. And I think it's, it's just so much better on student experience too, where when you're a student, you want to hear from 
the right schools, you don't want to hear from all schools. Um, and so and philosophically, when I take a step back and look at this as a, I, I always think about it in terms of, of matching problems, just because I've looked at this in different types of, of fields, but you have you know, many millions of, of students across the country that are looking for uh, the right school in 6,000 plus schools. And you, know, you can't match that by, by taking the high funnel approach of matching all of those students to kind of all of the schools and, and having like a barrage of information going back and forth. Sure. It's, it's almost impossible to stand out amidst uh, the noise there. And I think unfortunately that's going on way too frequently right now. And so typically the way you, you, I think you solve that is you, you go really, really, really deep on um, understanding uh, the, all the different sub niches within both, both of those audiences um, and matching you know, exactly uh, where, where there's a fit and, and focusing there and not focusing elsewhere. So um, we've, seen, uh, we've seen, I think, really promising results there so far. Ah, oh, so much gold, so much gold drawer. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny as you're as you're talking. Like, what I love about this model, and at least what you guys are are um, trying to build here, is that it just makes the entire admissions process. And I think I said this once again, but it's worth saying again. Um, just uh, uh, more sustainable, quite frankly. Like, you're rather than just buying more names and wasting quite frankly like limited resources that a college or yes. university has let alone just like the mass like barrage of information and and whatnot that students get after they like take the SAT or ACT and they they happen to check the box that hey I'm interested in business programs and then overnight right they're getting tons and tons and tons of communications from schools they've never yes. even heard of um, this just, I mean, it, quite frankly, it just, it just makes sense. Um, especially in a world where, uh, competition is, is great and the need to be very strategic with resources has never been more important. Um, and yeah, I, I, this, this sort of model, um, this sort of like, again, being much more diligent about who you're communicating with and how you're communicating with them and, um, being able to access more touch points, more data points on what students are actually interested in, like the why behind their interest in your organization, in your institution. Um, that's, that's just something that is quite frankly new. Um, and that, you know, that, that data has existed, but it hasn't been easy, I think, for folks to access um, and, and to put into action. Like I'm thinking about like communication flows and how everyone talks about the need to personalize, personalize uh, communication flows. And yet most of that, most of the time that translates to insert like a personalization token in your CRM that says swap right. out program of interest based off of what they identified on their SAT, like eight months ago, right? Like, like that's right. personalization. And like what I hear you talking about, um, which I very much believe in is like, this is, this is like seeing the full picture of what a prospective student actually cares about. And then quite frankly, like discerning whether or not they are the right fit for you and, and vice versa. Yes, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, and I think a good way to, to think about it, you know, for admissions, uh, counselors is, you know, as you're specifically reaching out to um, a, a prospective student, uh, just the question of how much do you truly know about that student, what they're trying to accomplish, and, and how much would be helpful to know. And you know, if the student has created a profile with uh, all this information about what they're trying to achieve, um, you know, how helpful that would that be when you're when you're going into that conversation or you're crafting that outreach and, you know, trying to figure out um, why your school of the Say top three that they're interested in is the actual right fit, um, and so and, and I know on the, on the flip side of that, you know, as a uh, former student and 
um, uh, and from all the students that we, we talk to right now. And I mean, we, uh, an interesting side note here is we also, we build everything we build, we build alongside and with and uh, with students as well. So a large number of roles in our team are actually uh, filled by students. We try to hire students wherever possible. And whenever we add to the, the platform, we, I think use, we, we use our interview very, very heavily with, um, with students at all levels as well. Um, and so the consistent feedback we, we get over and over again is uh, appreciation for under uh, the work we do to understand who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. And then the customization piece of, you know, there's a scholarship here that's a great fit for me. There's a school here that's a great fit for me. Um, and so we're, we're doubling down on that. Yeah. And that layer of context too is, um, is so important because, you know, so much of the time I feel like when, when schools are buying names, um, they're buying like, you know, 30,000 foot interest. Um, they're not, they, what they don't understand, like I, Zach might have, uh, have, uh, selected like business as a, as an area he was interested in, but you know, Zach's a mm. junior or maybe first semester senior and has no freaking idea, like what, you know, business actually means, right? And like, yeah, he, totally. he did, like Mark does. Oh, marketing falls under business. Oh, there's like a you could pursue the accounting track, right? Like business management, whatever it is. Like, there's so much context that students just like don't have at that particular point in time when they're like making that decision. And yet, that little like box that you check, like the little circle that you color in, really does determine how schools choose to mostly communicate with you up until the point of, you know, you seriously inquiring and or seriously um, uh, you know, starting an application. Um, but what's super interesting about like what you've just outlined is I love the idea of personalization from like the lens of like goals and outcomes, right? So like, what is Zach's yes. ultimate goal? Oh, Zach wants to, um, start a business, right? He wants to be the founder of an organization. Oh, okay. Let's use that goal as the framework through which the personalization and communications happens, as opposed to, hey, Zach, here's why you want to study business at our college and university, right? Yes. And I think like that, that is revolutionary. Like if you, if you can personalize from like a goal standpoint, from an outcome standpoint, if that is your, the foundation for your personalization, you will automatically stand out as an institution because it's just not the path. It's not the approach that most schools take with their communications yes completely agree completely agree um and i mean my, my personal story I, I studied chemical and biological engineering and uh, I, I loved it it was hard i'm also by nature quite stubborn and so you know once i i started i was determined to to see it through and, and do my best um, <laughs> i certainly don't work in any field that's uh, at least uh, technically or technologically speaking associated with uh, chemical and biological engineering um, although a lot of the sort of systems level thinking uh, i've found to be very useful uh, when, when thinking about scaling networks and, and platforms like this um, and, and then I also, I mean, I took all the pre-med classes. I even took the MCAT. I you know, wow. deeply considered going to, to, to med school for a while and ended up um, catching the startup bug and, and going in a completely different direction. Um, but, you know, 17-year-old me or even 20 or 21-year-old me um, didn't really have that strong of an idea of, of, of you know, specifically why this was the exact right major for me or even the exact right you know, ideal job title or something like that after uh, after graduation. Uh, we were I was actually just talking to an admissions vice president this morning, who you know, was expressing some of those those same sentiments around how you know they 
they definitely look to you know, customize their their communication. I mean, he had a, a, a just amazing command of their uh, their entire admissions funnel and you know communications approach at, at every step of the way and the different um, uh, sources they they use the different lead sources they use and why each of them made sense and so on and so forth. And um, I was sharing some of this feedback. And it was sharing that they, you know, they, they certainly customize based off of um, off of major of interest, um, but that they see you know, 50 plus percent of students actually switching majors, and that's a good thing because as you you grow, your your interests evolve, and your understanding of what you're looking to, um, you know, what, what industries you're specifically looking to to go into um, evolve as as well, and that's you know that's 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 certainly okay. And you know, he's pointing out as well that over the course of the um, lifetime you know, people at this point change careers of interest a lot more um, than they uh, now than they than they used to and so you can't really just say you know I'm interested in mechanical engineering therefore let me just look up the top 10 mechanical engineering programs and apply right on down the list um, it has to be a much more holistic uh, viewpoint of uh, what your uh, financial situation looks like in terms of uh, what makes sense for you and where what's you know in-state versus out-of-state and what the what you can actually effectively expect to pay with merit and based scholarships at different institutions and um, which which institution graduates people into you know uh, uh, high-paying jobs in the exact uh, uh, in industries you're focused on and, and so on and so forth um, so it's, it, it has to I think be this much more holistic question in order to build that that view I think you need a you know complete understanding of of the data yeah and I mean I just I'm thinking back to you know being in high school and thinking about like what it was that I wanted to do and I think like like what I ultimately ended up doing is I started off in uh, school of business at my university and then um, ended up sort of pivoting and and basically realizing like I was I was working through school and I had the opportunity to work for um, an agency during that time. So I was, you know, working crazy hours, um, going to school sort of like early mornings and late nights. Um, but I ended up uh, leaving the school of business simply because I had, had learned so much like on the job working at, at the agency I was at. Um, and, you know, really what I wanted to do is I wanted to figure out sort of like how to build things and not, not like, you know, cool things like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, furniture or like woodworking or whatever, but like, um, I really wanted, like, I, I like brands and I, I, I like building companies and, um, the, the program at least that, that I was in, um, wasn't super conducive to, to that sort of training. Like I had learned a lot of like business one-on-one. Um, on the job. And so I ended up like leaving the school. It, it was I mean, v- a ton. Talk about like a lot of friction. I ended up like leaving the school of business, going to uh, like the school of integrative studies, building my own major, but then also like pulling in faculty that I loved um, from the school of business and having them do sort of like yeah. one-on-one courses with me, independent studies. And like, that was amazing. And honestly, I left college feeling like I had the best of college, college experiences. And yet it looked very, 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 very different from most of my peers. And yet, like one of the things I was telling my my marketing professors, like as I told my marketing professors as I as I left, two in particular who sort of like took me under their wing and um, des- designed courses for me, um, I said, "Look, like if if I had known going in to uh, to college that like, hey, if if what you want to do is this." Like if that's really what we want to do, and then here are the, like the five different paths to help you get there. Um, there, there might be others, but like let, let's stick to five. 
that would have completely changed the way in which I thought about like what specific courses I would want to take. It would change the way that I thought about like the admissions process. Um, yes. And I, I wish like, and, and really what that does, right? Like from the admissions, the, the folks here listening are probably like, yeah, Zach, okay, great. Well, like we don't, we don't necessarily have that context or that data when we're buying a list of 10,000 names. And that's true. Um, but if schools could access that level of context, if they understood Zach's why, I believe it would fundamentally change the way in which schools thought about communicating with me and nurturing me, not just through the enrollment process, but even like throughout, like once I'm, uh, once I was a student at the university throughout sort of my, my tenure there, um, which, you know, is a very long way of saying that like the data that bull.org is collecting, um, the profiles of students, um, that are, that are utilizing your, your platform, if there's a way for schools to access that, um, I think it's going to present uh, a, 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 like legitimately like a fundamentally different way of thinking about recruitment. Um, and that's like it, especially exciting, um, at least at least to to nerds like me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, that's, I think you, you nailed it. And that's, that's why we're, we're really excited about it as well. And it's a, it's a hallmark of great recruiting is understanding the, the why, as you pointed out, and I like that phrasing uh, makes me think of it. Like every time, uh, and, you know, we're interviewing for um, a number of open roles right now and every single interview I think I've ever been on across many years and you know, thousand plus interviews at this point, uh, the very first question I always ask is, is why, you know, what's walk me through why this is a, a job that's interesting for you, or in the case of admissions of school, it's interesting for you, for you in the context of what a dream job looks like for you. Yeah. What, are you what are you looking to achieve? And I think you get all kinds of different answers and you can also you know, very quickly there figure out if their, their image of a dream job aligns with what this job actually looks like and what your organization's looking to achieve in terms of mission and culture and skill set. Um, MSS you know, fit from there, but also un- helps you understand, okay, well, if we, you know, I'm going to work with this person, if I'm going to succeed in recruiting this person, um, how can I help them be as successful as possible given what a dream job does look like for them? Uh, yeah. Is that something that we're going to, that we either have right now or we're, we're building towards and, and we can be really excited about building it together. So um, love the, love the, the way you frame that. Well, thank you. Hey, uh, Dror, this has been absolutely amazing um, and appreciate the work that you all, that you and the team are doing. Um, we'll be uh, just absolutely fascinated to sort of like watch your guys' uh, journey. I'll be watching very closely. Um, but for, for listeners here who um, want to explore and just get a better understanding of like how just very practically they might be able to like engage with the work that you all are doing. What's like the best way for them to learn more about that and, or connect with you or somebody on your team to kind of explore what sort of a uh, partnership or collaboration opportunities might exist. Yeah. Thanks. Zach. Uh, the best way is just to shoot me an email, uh, drawer at bald.org. Uh, hopefully we can include that in the, in the show notes. And then, uh, as depending on, uh, on what you have in mind, I can uh, connect you with the, with the right person on our team. Fantastic. Well, thank you, sir, for your time. Really appreciate you sharing your story with us and sharing, uh, you know, a behind the scenes look at, what you all are building at bold.org. Um, looking forward to continuing this conversation offline. And um, hey, uh, we should we should go ahead and plan sort of a, another interview six to 12 months down the road um, to see sort of like where you all are at at that juncture as well. But um, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. 
That sounds great. Thanks, Zach. Likewise, and appreciate you having me on. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.